0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be here on Tuesday. This is Dorcas Smith, Granny D, out of Plymouth, Michigan. And I am your leading promoter for the TR90 program, Body Burn 30. I'm going to tell you, best thing there is. And the component that I'm always interested in is, of course, the exercise part, because that was when I realized that when you move everything else changes and you have to move if you don't move there are going to be consequences as a result now I love it when I listen to um, Frank because he's been doing this a long time and I suddenly realize that I have walked over five over four miles a day it's between four and five miles a day since the T, since youth arrived in our lives and Use is probably, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most amazing supplements there is. It's all food. But I have walked between four and five miles a day since it came out, and that was five years ago. And I also have now learned, because of some amazing friends that are listening today, about things like walnuts and things like um, water and sleep and meditation. All these things have changed my life and made me really, really well. I am so much healthier than I was 10 years ago. And it's because of the TR90 food, New skin's supplements, which are food. And honestly, this call, you guys are awesome. You have kept me on it. And as a result, I am probably the healthiest I've been in a long time. So thank you. And today... I'm going on again with oxytocin and vasopressin, which are two neuropeptides that absolutely fascinate me. And this is, again, coming from Go Wild, John J. Rady, MD, and Richard Richard Manning. And I love this. And on the front, the byline is, Eat fat, run free, be social, and follow evolution's other rules for total health and well-being. So today, we're looking at a few other things. Oxytocin. Oxytocin is the neuropeptide that is the social neuropeptide, and it helps you to communicate and interact very well. The problem that we have is how good are our receptors for taking in the oxytocin and My question is, and I I think that um, Carter, the doctor in this section, um, says that we have to be very careful. There is no magic pill. There is no magic nasal spray. And what are the consequences of giving an overdose of oxytocin to babies in the womb through the moms before they are born. I don't know, but it is something that we need to think about. Sometimes we bite ourselves and we pay a severe consequence. So Carter is, bristles at the current simplistic line of research that says all we need to do is spritz a bit of oxytocin up one's nose to provoke a lifetime of sweetness and light. Ooh, doesn't that make you go, ooh, there's something a little bit too simplistic here. Her caution is based on some hard research and some personal experience. A postdoc working with Carter, Karen Bales, recently completed work in bulls, meant to mimic the effect of giving autistic children a few squirts of oxytocin while they were young and while the animals were young. The treatment worked as expected making for warmer and fuzzier as adolescent prairie bulls. But, here it is, but, as they aged, their behavior began to deviate from the norms of polite prairie bull society. That is, these males had a hard time partnering up. Those early doses made them less, not more, social as adults. Carter told us she thinks those early doses of oxytocin are, in effect, down-regulating, that is, desensitizing the normal receptors of those young males. Then, as they age, the receptors are less able to read the normal levels of oxytocin. And this is where her line of logic becomes, at once, deeply personal and nearly universal. Despite being the world's go-to expert on oxytocin, Carter was treated pretty much like any other delivering mother in a hospital in Germany a generation ago. Back then, she told us, it was relatively rare for doctors to inject mothers in labor with the synthetic form of oxytocin, protocin. It happened in maybe 10% of deliveries. But... She was injected. Her comment, this concerns me a great deal, and it concerned me right from the start, she said. As a scientist, I wanted to know what this did to my baby by letting the doctor give me that. But I really didn't have a choice. True, the doctors did not give the drug to the baby. But now we know that this same molecule shows up in the brain seconds after a mere mist of it is is in the air, and a baby in utero is far more ultimately connected to the source. Carter must think about this now, knowing as she does the results that, uh, that showed up in those prairie voles only when they became adults. A very recent paper correlates an increase in the incidence of autism with the receiving of Pitocin during delivery. Carter says that Pitocin is routinely administered to delivering mothers in, she estimates, 90% of the cases, although there are some signs that this practice is now waning. Heck yeah. That's creepy, isn't it? What if we've been giving our kids autism by giving them protocin, or pitocin, P-I-T-O-C-I-N. So if you've got a family member who's having a baby, you might tell them that their doctor is not to give them pitocin. At the same time, the current spat of research has turned up some other drawbacks to this simplistic medical model approach to oxytocin and vasopressin but these are as, int- as intriguing as they are cautionary. These findings open a window to some sobering realizations about evolution itself and our ability to comprehend its wisdom. They make us confront violence. That's What one tends to remember and report from those early prairie bold experiments is that the neuropeptides in question provoked monogamy bonding and solid parenting true enough but carter says it was also true from the beginning that once the adolescent male crossed the line of puberty in a chemical rush he seems he ceased to be a meek little field mice. he becomes a lethal weapon she said he fights off any and all intruders and will fight to the death at the same time, he is the nurturing father and devoted mate. In its summary of research on oxytocin, Science magazine reported on a study in Amsterdam, headed by Cartsen Drew D E D R E U that used a nasal dose of oxytocin and assessed the effects and assess the effects with a standard game that subjects played for money. Compared with men who got a saline spray, those who sniffed oxytocin behaved more altruistically to members of their own team, but at the same time they were more likely to preemptively punish competitors. In a 2011 study in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, De Drew's team found that oxytocin increased favoritism towards subjects' own ethnic group, native Dutch men, on a series of tasks and thought experiments done on a computer. And in some situations, the treated men exhibited more prejudice against other groups, Germans, And Middle Easterners in this case. This is a double-edged sword. One goal of oxytocin research has been to promote desirable characteristics like trust, empathy, and loyalty, traits in short simply among us today. Listen to that again. Traits in short supply among us today. Yet we may want to place our assessment of desirable in context with a question that Carter put to us. If science could indeed deliver a pill that would make you a paragon of these very traits, would you take it? Now there's an ethical dilemma, is it not? I don't know. And you need not think long to answer in the negative. That distrust of outward outsiders often leads to violence against those same people. And in evolutionary terms, violence is not necessarily a problem. Violence is useful and therefore adaptive. We need it to survive, and we always have. Even today, in situations where violence seems to be counter-adaptive, it persists because in so many other situations, it was crucial crucial for humans to, to survive. It was critical to survival. We did not get our first hint of this conclusion from biochemistry or even from evolutionary history. John J. Ray has a long history of treating some exceedingly violent people and a clear theme emerged in his practice especially in dealing with domestic violence. The blow-up and the violence in those situations and this is not a trivial matter at all. By far domestic violence is our most widespread form of violence in modern society and this is an explanation that will make you understand why just like those little prairie bulls. It often comes at a critical and common point. When the victim, the female, takes steps to leave an abusive partner, that threat triggers an irrational rage that quickly explodes. And it took time to see it. But it became clear to John that this explosion was defensive, not an attack. The partner's threat to leave was a threat to the home. And the violence, no matter how irrational or misplaced, was in defense of the home. That's tremendous understanding. Now, does that not change domestic your view of domestic violence? And it's something that we all have to think about. Anyway... John J. Rady says, We are not arguing that this sort of violence is justified or even adaptive. It is in fact a failure of the brain's coping mechanism when faced with threat. The executive function of the brain in the frontal cortex gets hijacked, hijacked in these situations and violence ensues. It is irrational and pathological. But the wiring for it, the tendency was put in place by evolution as an adaption. It is precisely the same insult that sorts us into tribes, that causes us to feel best when in a circle of like-minded people we were born into and feel ill at ease when we are among others. Maybe Juwasi, Nasi. Apache, Apache, and Samaritan. Once, now, maybe Christians or Muslims, Republicans or Democrats, immigrants, opera goers, gardeners, bluegrass musicians, or the folks we know at the cross gym. At the CrossFit gym. To conclude, distrust of outsiders is the flip side of the social bonding that allows us to trust those closest to us. And I'm going to stop right there today. The next section, which will be next week, is called the core human trait. But that's something that we do in this conversation is we look at things. Why is exercise important? Why are our bonding, why are our relationships with each other so important for our emotional and our physical health? It's all involved. And it's a deep, it's a deep, it's a deep area for us to think about. And not always comfortable and not always easy. But it sure kind of helps us to understand what's going on in America today. And I think that was why I wanted to bring it out. It's a thought. God bless us all. We can do this. This is Granny D, Dorca Smith signing out for today.